Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We know you're going to be awesomely blessed as you listen to our pastor, Aaron Dows, today. Enjoy. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. Well, we're on a um, 40 days of breakthrough series where we're looking at the topic of prayer and we're discussing prayer and um, hopefully we're praying daily as well. If we could, uh, yeah, there we go. So we're on week five. We've got another one week next week. Um, but I, I just want to say a big welcome to you if you're visiting with us today. If this is your first time, uh, a big welcome. Thank you for coming. And um, we trust that you would uh, sense God's presence, whether you believe in God or not, whether you've ever experienced God. You hear some things about God today and about prayer, but even more than that, that you would sense that God is alive. God is spirit and um, when we, when we sense God, we get a sense of his peace. Just want to ask, has anybody seen this movie, The War Room? Put your hands up if anybody's seen that. Okay, we've got a few people. Um, it's about a married couple, uh, Tony and Elizabeth Jordan. Um, and they've got a big house. They've got a beautiful daughter. They've got plenty of money. They seem to have it all. But despite all of that success, they've got a strained marriage. And um, Elizabeth, she's an estate agent, and she goes to work, and she helps this elderly lady called Miss Clara, and she's to help Miss Clara sell her house. And uh, Miss Clara, she's very perceptive, and she perceives that Elizabeth is under stress, and she, she starts to suggest and talk to Elizabeth about fighting for their marriage by praying for Tony. And Miss Clara, when she's shown her around her house, she shows her a special closet. And she's dedicated this closet to praying. And she calls it her war room. Her war room. Because as she puts it, in order to stand up and fight the enemy, you need to get on your knees and pray. So we're going to watch a little clip from this movie just now. And it shows and highlights to us the importance of prayer and fighting the battles that rage in our lives. Not with physical weapons, but with spiritual ones. And uh, just before this clip, Miss Clara, the elderly lady, she's asked Elizabeth to write a list of all her husband's failures and weaknesses. I'm going to ask you all to do that just now if you're married. Just, uh, no, no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, it's a rather long list. Um, and... Uh, I think she enjoys that task a little bit too much, actually. But um, she asks her to write down this list, long list, and uh, we're just going to pick up the clip from here. Thank you, Clara. We've got Clara showing Miss Clara. Give it up for Clara, Rana, and Kate, who are our fantastic kids' AV team. Oh, that's almost three pages. And I could write more, but you'll get the gist of it when you read it. Actually, I'm not going to read it. My question to you is this. In light of all these wrongs, does God still love Tony? We both know he does. Do you? Now, Miss Clara, you're meddling. <laughs> There's love in my heart for Tony, but it's just buried under a lot of frustration. So he needs grace. Grace? I don't know that he deserves grace. Do you deserve grace? 
Miss Clara, you have a habit of backing me up in a corner and making me squirm. I felt the same way. But the question still remains, do you deserve grace? The Bible says that no one is righteous, not even one, for we have all sinned. So really none of us deserve grace, but we all still want God's forgiveness. Elizabeth, it comes down to this. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He died for you, even when you did not deserve it. And he rose from the grave and offers forgiveness and salvation for anyone who turns to him. But the Bible also says that we can't ask him to forgive us while refusing to forgive others. I know, Miss Clara. But that's just so hard to do. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But that's where grace comes in. He gives us grace, and he helps us to give it to others, even when they don't deserve it. We all deserve judgment. And that is what a holy God gives us when we don't repent and believe in his son. Had to forgive Leo for some things. And it wasn't easy, but it freed me. Elizabeth, there's not room for you and God on the throne of your heart. It's either him or it's you. You need to step down. Now, if you want victory, you're gonna have to first surrender. But Miss Clara, do I just back off? and choose to forgive and then just let him walk all over me? God is a good defense attorney. Trust it to him. And then you can turn your focus to the real enemy. The real enemy? The one that wants to remain hidden. The one that wants to distract you and deceive you and divide you from the Lord and your husband. You see, that's how it works. Satan comes to steal, kill, Joy, and he is stealing your joy. He is killing your faith, and he's trying to destroy your family. If I were you, I would get my heart right with God, and you need to do your fight in prayer, and you need to kick the real enemy out of your home with the word of God. It's time for you to fight, Elizabeth. It's time for you to fight for your marriage. It's time for you to fight the real enemy. It's time for you to take off the gloves and do it. Come on, Elizabeth, fight you. Come on. <laughs> hey, I want a Miss Clara in my life, you know, someone who's got that experience and that love to speak the truth. But prayer is essential in our lives, as we've been discussing the last four weeks. Um, and it's, it's essential that we surrender our life and the battles to God and give our battles over to God because we're not strong enough to fight them on our own. The good news of Christianity is that God wants to fight our battles on our behalf, but it requires us to trust him and to believe in him. Now, when I was a child, I was taught this a simple acrostic for prayer. It's called the Acts Acrostic. Um, and it stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And actually, it's a very good um, uh, pattern for prayer because it, it prevents us 
from getting caught up in our prayer to God being all about asking. Of course we should ask. And of course God wants us to come to him and ask. But prayer is much more than just asking for things. And so this is a good way of helping to keep prayer balanced and to focus on the different elements of prayer and making sure that prayer is not all about me because actually prayer can come a very selfish thing where it's all about me and my needs and actually you know half the time we just need to get the eyes off of ourselves. So I'm just going to focus on today the the middle two, the C and the T, the the confession and the thanksgiving part today. Um, Now life's pretty fast would you not agree? Um, especially when you've, you've got children and start to get more children. Life is very pa- fast-paced these days. But one thing we do seriously need to do is we need to slow down. And John Ortberg says this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Carl Jung, he wrote, hurry is not of the devil, Hurry is the devil. Now often, in a 24-hour period, there's a whole mix of good things happen even in just one day. In one 24-hour period, there can be a huge mix of good and challenging things happen in our lives. In one day, there can be moments of joy and peace, and there can be moments of struggle, pain, failure, and disappointment. One woman called Tish Harrison Warren, she wrote a book called Liturgy of the Ordinary. It won the Christianity Today Book of the Year for 2018. And she says this in her book about the anger and frustration and the whole range of emotions she began to feel for the seven minutes after she lost her car keys in the morning while trying to rush out of the door um, to uh, an important meeting. And she wrote this, and it's on the back of your sheet, I think, actually, for some bizarre reason. But um, there you go. And she says, underneath these overreactions and aggravations lie true fears. My lost keys reveal my anxiety that I won't be able to do what I need to do, take care of myself and those around me. They hit on my fear of failure and incompetency. My broken dishwasher uncovers my worries about money. Will we have enough to fix it? And it exposes my idolatry of ease, my false hope and comfort and convenience. I just want things to run smoothly. That's my motto. That's my mantra. Anybody else? (laughs) I want my life to run smoothly. And when it doesn't, oh my goodness, I'm rattled. I know you're not, you're just really composed, no matter what hiccups show up in your day. She goes on, today my my lost keys provide a moment of revelation, revealing the lostness inside me and my misplaced reliance. When the day is lovely and sunny and everything is going according to plan, I can look a pretty good person, yep, but little things gone wrong and interrupted plans reveal who I really am. Boom. There it is. She says, my cracks show and I see that I am profoundly in need of grace. End quote. And isn't that so true for all of us? 
our cracks, which we all have, show that we are profoundly in need of grace. As Miss Clara was teaching Elizabeth about grace. Now, very often we go through trying experiences and we just rush past them because life is so fast and we move on and we forget all about them and we don't actually stop to learn and to think and to pray about what just happened. But you know what? Doing that could just be the key to the change and the transformation that you want and you need to see in your life, in your character, in your attitudes, in your behavior. Because it's, it's a good and healthy practice and prayer is a good and healthy spiritual discipline. And it's a good practice to look back over your day, to look back in your mind's eye over the past 24 hours and to look and find those moments when God showed up in your life. God shows up in our life so many moments in a day, but we're so fast we don't recognize them. We need to stop and to look for his blessings in our life. It's good to think over your day and think about the things also that didn't go quite so well in your day. Moments when you were hurt by something that happened to you or moments that you messed up, you made a mistake, you sinned. It's important for us to give praise and thanksgiving for the moments of blessing in your day. But it's also important for us to ask forgiveness for failures. Yes, to those that we've failed, but ultimately to God. Yes, to forgive those who have hurt you also. And to ask and receive healing for those painful and difficult moments because we're picking up scars and wounds every single day. And it's so important that we take them to God and allow his healing to come because we come hard, we can become cynical, we can become negative, we can become apathetic. That's what pain and heart and scars and wounds do to us. Luke 11 verse 4, amplified version says, and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, who has offended or wronged us. Anyone ever been offended or wronged? happens on a daily basis. And lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from evil. Now I'm going to give you four steps that you can take in your daily prayer life to help spiritual development and growth, to help us to grow. Because growth doesn't just happen automatically by just just by default. Who, who can uh, testify to that? That you can go through many months and years and think, I haven't grown. I'm not getting any better. I seem to be getting worse. I seem to be going backwards rather than forwards. So here's four steps. And it can take maybe, it can be short. You could take 10 to 15 minutes today to do these simple four steps, okay? Now, first of all, I would recommend you find a quiet place. Even Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So find a quiet place. For you, you may have to go for a walk. <laughs> Maybe you can't find a quiet place in your house. Maybe you have to do what one minister's wife had to do. She just used to pull, I think it was like a tea towel over her head and disappear behind the noise of the children and just try and escape for a minute that way. Sing a song of worship. Get your eyes onto God. Start to quiet yourself down in that, in that still room. Turn off phones and distractions and sit still for a minute or two. And to just start to slow yourself down. You can do that even by slowing your breathing, which will start to slow your heart rate. 
and starts to turn down the volume of crazy, fast, and random thoughts that go through our heads. Start to calm yourself down. Start to prepare to come into God's presence and start to ask for the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, His presence to come in you and in your room. And then in your mind, start to become aware that you are actually in the presence of God and begin to soak in that like in a hot bath. Start to soak in. Start to become still, become silent, become aware of the presence of God, invite the presence of God. And if you don't feel anything, that's okay. Don't rely on emotions. Just walk by faith. Trust and have faith. Now here's the first point on your sheets. Number one, give thanks. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you were to really go through your last 24 hours um, and start to think how much you've got to uh, thank him for, there's an incredible amount if we stop and think about it. What about that apple that you bit into and tasted the sweet, refreshing juices bringing delight and bursting in your uh, mouth and those taste buds? Who is the provider of the apple? Isn't it the grace and goodness of God who created that pleasure for us to enjoy? What about that tasty steak that you enjoyed with the peppercorn sauce? What about the smile of you, the child of your child? Or the gift of laughter when they said something cute or funny? What about that bed that you slept in last night? What about the warmth of your home, your central heating? What about your pillow? What about a peaceful night and there was no war or bombs outside your window last night? What about a car that's functioning to, that took you to work or public transport? What about the smooth road that allowed you to drive? What about your doctor that's readily available within uh, a, a quite a short period to help you with your medical needs? What about the bin men that emptied your bin so your streets are not filled with putrefying rubbish smelling and blocking the streets, which happens in many countries? Don't take bins being emptied for granted. Isn't that a grace from God? If you start to think all that God has done for you and start to give thanks, allow your mind to wander over your 24-hour period and start to look for where God showed up. Start to look for his goodness. Start to look for his grace. Start to develop gratitude in your life, but express gratitude. It's so important to express it, to allow it to come out of your mouth, to give thanks to God and include that in your prayer life. Because even psychology today are recognizing and discovering the power of gratitude. And they're discovering the truth, what the Bible teaches. Remember what we said, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We need peace. And we're told here that as prayer, asking, and thanksgiving, then you will experience God's peace in our minds and hearts. Here's a quote from the Huff Post, Huffington Post, 4th of January, 2015. It's called The Transformative Power of Gratitude. And it starts like this. Over a decade ago, Caroline's father died of traumatic injuries, suffered in a car accident. Subsequently, her mother was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And the diagnosis left Carolyn feeling angry, cheated, and despairing. 
saddled with daily visits to her mother's assisted living facility, Carolyn was forced to witness the gradual disappearance of her mother's once vibrant personality. Layered on top of this loss, Carolyn was no longer able to allocate time to travel or pursue her own dreams. In the face of these losses, it was difficult to keep in mind that she had good loving parents, wonderful and accomplished children, a devoted partner, a job she valued, great health, and the potential to fulfill many of her dreams in the coming years. Instead, Carolyn was fixated on the limitations and the loss of freedom in becoming her mother's caregiver. It goes on to say, we have learned, what we have learned is that cultivating personal attributes fortifies us during times of adversity and emotional turmoil and leads to greater happiness and resilience. Moreover, listen to this, of all the attributes one can develop, gratitude is most strongly associated with mental health. It goes on, in 2007, Robert Emmons began researching gratitude through a psychological lens, and he found that expressing gratitude improves mental, physical, and relational well-being. Being grateful also impacts the overall experience of happiness, and these effects tend to be long-lasting. What's your gratitude quotient? Between zero and 100 in your words, in your prayer, where are you on that quotient? Where are you on that scale? How grateful a person are you in your words to your partner, in your words to your children, in your words to each other? How much of our speech is gratitude? Because if you want to get healthier, become a more grateful person. <laughs> yeah? It goes on to say the benefits of gratitude, and there's 11 benefits that they point out, which are on your sheet. I'm going to mention three. Improved physical, emotional, and social well-being, greater optimism and happiness, and decreased stress, anxiety, depression, and headaches. This is what psychology is revealing to us, confirming and discovering the truths that we have known for many years and has been taught by many years in the scripture about having a heart of gratitude and our gratitude's not to the powers of um, evolution, but to the creator God who is the provider of all goodness and grace. Every good and perfect gift we believe comes, even that gift of life, the breath, oxygen in our lungs. The most common method, it says, for cultivating gratitude is by keeping a gratitude journal and recording experiences for which one is grateful. The idea is to write about three positive experiences on a daily basis. Examples include taking notice of something in nature. What about the birds? What about the, the singing of the birds? Thank you, God, for the singing of the birds. It's been shown, again scientifically, that the sounds of nature, slow crashing waves, and the sounds of nature, birds, and, and a gentle breeze played in a boulevard decreased the crime rate in that violent boulevard. <laughs> Such is the power of sound. Sound is hugely powerful. And it's a grace from God that he would give us birds to sing in our garden. 
Isn't that a beautiful grace? And yet we can just take these things for granted. We're so fast. We don't even hear and stop to listen to the bird song that God has provided us with. Examples include taking notice of something in nature, an object of beauty. You know, when you're driving to work and um, you see the beauty of the, the sunrise, you see the sky, the colors, the perfect art has painted for you that you could drive to work in the beauty of that creation. Let's become uh, grateful people. A good cup of coffee or helping someone with a problem. So the field of psychology is confirming the power, transforming power of gratitude that we are taught to cultivate in the Bible. And as Christians, our gratitude is to God through prayer. And a journal is an excellent idea. And many people journal. How about journaling daily two or three things or four things that you're grateful to God for in your, in your previous 24 hours? Secondly, ask for the Holy Spirit and review any failures. The acrostic, as we mentioned at the start, is Acts. And I said we were dealing with the C and the T part, the confession. So we've done the T part, the thanksgiving, and we're moving on to the C, the confession. Now, people don't automatically respond to this as the most exciting thing that they could do in their, in their 24 hours, confession. They don't necessarily see it as the most positive experience that they could engage in. But we need to flip that switch in our mind and begin to see that confession actually is one of the most positive practices you could ever do in your life. Confession is one of the most positive practices you could even do in your prayer life. I want to, I want to give an example. Imagine you've got size seven feet, but you're wearing the wrong size shoes, which are too small. And day after day, you start to notice that your feet are sore, they're uncomfortable, your walking is poor, and it's making you tired and stressed, a little bit edgy and unreasonable. And if we keep ignoring the pain of those wrong size shoes and never stop to look and see what is causing the problem, if we fail to listen to the pain, then we don't start to discover the source of our pain, of what is causing the pain in our lives. But then you begin to look at your shoes and you realize they're size fives. No wonder you've been so edgy and stressed. You've been at work all day for numerous days with size five shoes. So what do you do? You go, you buy a pair of seven Nike Air Max trainers, and now you're the happiest bouncing bunny on the planet. Because wearing the correct size trainer is the ultimate no-brainer. If you could change that slide to the next one for me, please, Clara. This is uh, malfunctioned. Wearing the correct size trainer is the ultimate no-brainer. See, that's, that's confession. Identifying the source of your pain. What is the wrong-fitting trainers that you're wearing? And when you remove them and put on the correct size trainers, that's confession. And that's why we need to completely flip the switch in your mind and begin to see confession as one of the most positive practices we could in, include in our prayer life. Why? Because you're starting to put on brand new Nike Air Max trainers. You're starting to get rid of everything that causes you pain and struggle in your life. And that's why 
Confession is so positive. It's removing the source of discomfort. It's removing the source of pain. It's removing the negative things that are really hurting or damaging us anyway. It's removing those ill-fitting thoughts, those ill-fitting attitudes, those ill-fitting behaviors from my life that is destroying me. We call it, as Christians, sin, missing the mark. It's doing things and thinking things and behaving in wrong manner. Less than who we are, below what we were created to be. It's not living up to our full uh, potential, if you like. And when we get rid of those nasty, stinking trainers, then we can start to uh, uh, get back to who we were created to be in, the, in, in our original form. The thing is, those old trainers, who wants to keep a hold of them anyway? We need to get sure of them and start to live as we were designed to live, created in the image of him with his character of justice and compassion and mercy and kindness and love. That's who God's created us to be. Now, the trainer analogy, it's not a perfect one. No analogy is, and every analogy falls down at some, some part, but it gets the point across, hopefully, that when you've got pain and discomfort and stress in your life, it means there's something not quite right in your life. There's something that's not fitting. And God has designed life, and because he's the creator, the perfect creator, he knows what is good for us. He knows what is good for you, and he knows that there are certain things that are harmful for you. And God is love. He wants you to have fullness of life. He wants you to avoid harmful thinking, harmful attitudes, harmful behavior, the wrong sized trainers. See, sin is harmful behavior. It's harmful attitudes and harmful thoughts that ultimately harm us. And God knows that. He's not the ultimate divine killjoy who just really wants to put rules on us for the sake of it so that he can actually stop us from enjoying life. No, he wants us to enjoy life. And that's why he says, don't wear the wrong size trainers. Wear the right size trainers so that you can run through life, so you can run with endurance, so you can run with joy, so that you can run with perseverance and not have to stop and not have to give in and not be in discomfort and not be in pain because much of our pain is self-inflicted wrong sized shoes wearing stuff we were never designed to wear carrying attitudes we were never designed to carry carrying unforgiveness carrying envy or carrying the things that ultimately harm us he did not design us to walk with those things and if we do we begin to feel pain discomfort frustration stress edginess etc etc so confession begins to look at the pain in our lives, listening to the pain and seeing if it's because we're wearing something the wrong size. Because we need to recognize that pain and frustration is the, the symptom of something harmful in our lives that should not be there. What did Tish Harrison Warren say in her book? Underneath these overreactions and aggravations lie true fears so start going over your day hour by hour for the areas that did not go so well don't just bury them under the carpet and sweep sweep them away and forget about them 
But ask to be filled and guided by the Holy Spirit. And this is key. Ask to be guided and filled with the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit to lead you through your day. Because if not, guess what you will do? You will want to hide in denial, excuses, wallow in self-pity, or boil with anger and frustration. So do not go through your day on yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to walk with you through your day and ask him and listen to God's voice and watch what he wants to say to you. What does God want to say? Does he have something to teach you? Does he have a word of advice or warning or affirmation? Psalm 139, could get the next video clip, Clara, that we'll close on. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, or the message says, cross-examine and test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. God, in my previous 24 hours, as I think back on my day yesterday, is there anything I was doing that was offending you? And it's amazing what will come to mind. You'll go back in your mind, like you'll be taken to some, you'll be taken back in your mind to a moment when you actually said something. You're like, boom, that's it. I've, I've, uh, that's, and, you know, I, I even brushed past that moment, and I wasn't even aware. Okay, God, what was what was going on in that situation? Why did I respond like that? Why did I react like that? You were so frustrated because you were multitasking. Why was I multitasking? Because I was on my phone. Why was I on my phone? Because I was checking emails. Why were you checking emails? You shouldn't be checking emails. You should switch off. You should put it away. And then guess what? Half your stress will not come because it's coming from multitasking and getting frustrated by things that you shouldn't be doing anyway. Simplify your life. Turn off your phone. And wherever you are, be fully present. Whatever you are, be present fully there. Focus on one thing at one time and do one thing with one thing and you won't get so stressed and so uptight. And so allow God to teach you. Allow your Holy Spirit to be your teacher and allow yourself to learn because otherwise we'll just keep on following the same patterns and same routines, getting uptight and getting angry and never actually analyzing the source of our pain and our frustration and allowing God to change us. Galatians 5.25. So we are living by the Spirit let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. God, take me through. And this is not about dwelling on the negative wrong in our life. It's about focusing on God and his forgiveness that's available through Jesus Christ. It's not getting down and uh, upset with myself, but it's not sweeping under the carpet and brushing and pretending it doesn't exist. It's, it's facing up to my failures, my weaknesses, my difficulties in my day and saying, okay, God, I'm broken, I've got cracks, and I'm in need of your grace. I thank you that you'd sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, that if I believe in you, I'm going to be forgiven. I receive your forgiveness into my life, but I need to change. I can't do this on my own. I don't have the patience. I don't have the self-control that I need in that situation. And I want to grow. I want to be more of a patient person. I want to have more self-control. I don't like the way that I behave and I respond and I react. That's not who I want to be. That's not what you created me to be. God, would you help me to grow? Would you become me? help me to become more like you? And I thank you, Jesus, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Start. So it's not about dwelling on my negative and become all somber and sad. We focus more on Jesus and his grace than my sin, but we mustn't just brush it under the carpet and pretend it's not there. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is a great teacher, and he wants to search me and cross-examine me and show me anything that is unpleasing to him in my life. Why? Because my life will go better. Because I will experience more freedom, 
more joy, more endurance, more peace, more of his love, more of his goodness, more of his kindness, more of his grace, more of his character, more of his power, more of his breakthrough, more of his blessing. And I'll be used greater and more by God. And that's why confession is not a negative thing. It is the most powerful thing you could do in your life. And if you're not including daily confession as part of your daily prayer, you'll be hindering the spiritual growth in your own life. You will just stay where you are and never change. And that's where many Christians are stuck for many years with the same attitudes, with the same problems, with the same, and never ever growing. Because we mustn't Wait on the next conference. Wait on the next person. Wait on the next time for me to change. It ain't going to happen, folks. Don't wait on the next big thing for you to change. Guess what? You can get along with God and say, God, if I'm going to change, it's going to be me and you. And like Miss Clara, get in the closet and do my fighting for my battles on my knees in prayer and say, God, I want to see change. I want to see breakthrough. I want to see victory. I don't like the way I'm behaving and acting. I don't like this anger that I struggle with God. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anger management classes. These are great. And I think there are many good practices that we could pick up in those anger management classes. But more important than anger management classes and breathing techniques and taking time out and counting to 60 seconds and all that, which are good and are beneficial and are helpful is getting to the source of the fears is getting to the source of my insecurity is getting to the source of the root of the cause of my anger which is very often selfishness not getting my own way not getting my own way <laughs> yeah that's the core heart of sin is I want to be autonomous I want to rule my life I want everything my way. I don't want to be told what to do by a God. And that's why I reject God. And that's why the world rejects God. Because I don't want someone telling me what to do. I was born free. I was born to do whatever I want to do. And God says, that's absolutely right. And you will reap whatever you sow. And so you do whatever you want. But then we suffer and we struggle. Like, oh my goodness. Because we can't actually do what we want. Because we'll always suffer the consequences, whether they're positive or negative, depending on whether we are following God's word. The last two parts are on your sheet, okay? Three and four, they're on your sheet. They're straightforward. One of them is healing. And um, I would really strongly encourage you, allow God to heal you. And I think we'll deal with this because many of you need healed. Many of you have got hearts and pains and uh, uh, and brokenness from even friends that used to come here are no longer here from past memories there's a lot of healing that needs to take place there's a lot of healing needs to take place in one 24-hour period because we get offended we get upset we get hurt we get disappointed and there's so much healing needs to take place so we're going to finish with this last clip let's have the last clip please clara war room finish on this clip i'm going to say a prayer we'll get the band back up and um, let's just watch this last war room clip. Thank you. Now this is where I do my fighting. A closet. I call it my war room. So, 
So you wrote prayers for each area of your life? A prayer strategy? Yes. Now, I used to do what you and your husband are doing, but it got me nowhere. And then I really started studying what the scriptures say. And God showed me that it wasn't my job to do the heavy lifting, no. That was something that only he could do. It was my job to seek him, to trust him, and to stand on his word. Miss Clara, I've never seen anything like this. And I admire it, I really do. I just, I don't have time to pray that much every day. But you apparently have time to fight losing battles with your husband. Elizabeth, if you will give me one hour a week, I can teach you how to fight the right way with the right weapons. Since you're good with the asking price, I'll go ahead and list the house. I'd uh, <laughs> like to think about our other discussion. Elizabeth, please forgive me for being so direct, but I see in you a warrior that needs to be awakened. But I, I will respect whatever decision you make. Thank you, Miss Clara. I hope you have a good day. You too. Don't let me push too hard, Lord. I know I got a big mouth. <laughs> Miss Clara's amazing. Ah, oh, don't, don't you just love Miss Clara? Clara, have you put um, slide number 10 up, please? Let's get the band back up. Yeah, you know, one, one of the things is that we must do is forgive others. And in terms of, of being healed, there's a quote on your sheet, um, and it's um, uh, Renee Davis on her blog. She says this, when we forgive... We purge bitterness, strife, resentfulness, hurt, anger, guilt, self-pity, toxins that would otherwise would negatively affect the wound and hinder its ability to completely heal. This cleansing prepares us for our long-awaited complete healing. You know, God wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. Our God is a God who heals. We believe that. He not only heals physically, just have the band start playing, please, but he heals emotionally. There's not a lot of pills available on the market, pharmaceutically speaking, that can heal the wounds of brokenness that have come into your life through grief, through loss, through... Um, whether it's loss of a friendship, whether it's physical loss of a loved one, whether it's hurt, whether it's betrayal, whether it's offense, whether it's disappointment, whether it's someone who no longer speaks to you. Listen, people, we need to be real with God. Say, God, I'm pretty messed up inside, and I need you. I need you. Why? But I know I need you. I know I can't fix myself. You know what? That's faith and that's humility. God responds to that prayer. Just fix me, God. Just fix me, please. Just, just heal my brokenness. Heal my grief. Heal my loss. Heal my wounds. 
God wants you to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. All growth comes from health. All growth comes from health. Healthy organisms grow. And so I just want to close your eyes just now. Just stay seated and close your eyes. I'm just going to ask God to heal you. If you've got a pain in your life, I'm going to give you 30 seconds just now. Just whisper this in your head or whisper it. Just say something like, in your own words, God, I'm hurting. I'm messed up. I'm screwed up. I've tried to ignore it, but I can't. I've tried to fix it, and I can't. So today I come to you, and I ask you to come and touch me now. Just touch me now, God. Bring your healing into my mind. He's just doing that right now. I just believe God's doing that right now. If you ask him in faith and simply, humbly like a child, he'll do it. I'm not saying it'll be instantaneous. I'm not saying you'll get a lightning bolt. But I'm saying he'll begin a process and walk you through that journey. And he'll take you if you trust him. We lost our first child, I know. My wife's brand new. After losing a baby in her arms, we lived for 55 minutes. We've seen the healing of God as a process. Able to restore your dreams. Able to lift you out of the pit. So let him touch you now. Father, heal. Heal right now. Heal the pain in the heart. Heal the pain in the mind. Take your healing balm and just soothe those wounds. Heal from the pain of disappointment. That you didn't do this and it's now too late. You didn't say this and it's now too late. God would heal you of your disappointment. He would heal you from beating yourself up right now. He would say, no longer look back, but look ahead. No longer look at your failure. What you didn't do. But look to what you did do. Look to what was good and what was right. Look to the positive, even through the negative. Look to goodness of God that you did enjoy and give thanks give thanks give thanks for the goodness in your life give thanks for the clothes that are on your back give thanks for the running water that comes from your tap give thanks for the potential that lies within you give thanks that the future ahead is bright give thanks that your best days are ahead of you not behind you give thanks that you can do all things so father thank you for your healing touch today I would say that God loves you 
He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to take the punishment for our wrongdoing. If we have faith in Him, say sorry and ask Him to forgive us, He will forgive us for all the wrongdoing. And He will invite us into His family. He gives us eternal life now. That means you know that you're in His family forever and it starts now. And He will come into your life to start to bring times of refreshing. And this is how you receive that gift. It's a free gift he offers you right now. He says, do you want the gift of eternal life? Do you want the gift of my forgiveness? Do you want the gift of my Holy Spirit and power coming to help you, heal you, and make you brand new? He says you receive it. And this is how you receive it. By trusting like a child. By turning away from all you know to be wrong and going in the opposite direction. And you can show that heart response now by this very simple prayer. All together, church. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Please forgive me for all my sin, all my wrongdoing, and make me brand new. Wash me today, cleanse me today, and continue your healing work in my life. I receive you today in Jesus' name. With every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the first time today, just put your hand nice and high while you're sitting down. I'm not going to peer at the front, I'm not going to embarrass you. Anybody say that prayer for the first time today? Anybody want to receive? today. If there's anybody he offers you that free gift. And there's a, a table at the back. It's got gold bags on it. Hopefully if someone could check Colin, if you could check, there's gold bags on that table. Take a gold bag and I will explain the first steps that we should take. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. You taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Let's stand and let's go out with worship. Thank you. Vine Church, have a wonderful week.